sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Father, unto you shall all our gathering be. Give you thanks for the faithfulness of your word over the years and in our lives. We give you all the glory for the many testimonies that have come. We know that, O oh God, without you we can do nothing. I pray that this time shall be a memorable time in our lives. Speak to us like never before. Let the word be inscribed upon our hearts. By this word, may we make good warfare. And may we be molded more and more to be like Jesus. Have your way, O God, this morning. Holy Spirit, we are at your disposal. Do whatever you want to do. In Jesus' name I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm happy to be here this morning. And I'm also encouraged by your testimonies. I always tell you that sometimes you get to a place where you wonder if what you are doing is worth it. And you wonder whether you should keep soldiering on. I know that it's a work of the enemy, but sometimes you feel, you know, God doesn't really need me to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And so when you have also so many things to do and to deal with, you begin to think, is it really necessary? Is it really achieving anything? But I think that only heaven will reveal the worth of our work. Because you don't even know sometimes the effect your obedience has on people. And sometimes when you go to very remote places, Somebody comes to give you a testimony. Sometimes I've been on an STC bus. And somebody would come and say, oh, in 1983, you came to do dumb broadcast in the area. And I gave my life to Christ. And you came to my house and encouraged me and followed us up to the fellowship. And you don't even remember the person. I said, today I am working. I'm doing this for God. And... Um, you are touched. And I think God allows those things so that our hands will be strengthened. Amen. Amen. This morning, I'm going to be very brief, but just before I left my hotel, I felt that the Holy Spirit was saying to me that he wanted me to speak about the sin of destroying God's creation. And so I want us to go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. 
Philippians is in the New Testament. We will be reading from verse 2. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. I implore you, dear, or Euodia, and I implore Sintike to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. And uh, I wanted the King James Version, if it's possible. I beseech thee, you dares, and beseech Sintike that they be of the same mind in the Lord, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Amen. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi. In the previous verses, he has said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the same Philippians, there are very, very many lovely verses that Paul talks about. And he says that, oh, I trust God that I'll be brought to you shortly. And then, like Philippians 1.19, he says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. But when he comes to Euodia and Syntyche, he says, I urge you, or I beseech you to urge Euodia and Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, Euodia and Syntyche are not mean women in the church. They are not just maybe ordinary members or people who you would say are even idle or people who are not productive or people who are not busy about the Lord's work. The Bible says that, Paul says that they are fellow workers and that they labored with me in the gospel. That's their CV. And they didn't labor with even Timothy, Apostle Paul. Do you understand? So their labor was at a certain level. And also their names were written. Paul said, whose names are written in the book of life? But at the same time and in the same church, they couldn't agree. They couldn't flow. And they couldn't get along. But they are all anointed. They are all born again. They've all given up everything to follow Paul. They are fellow workers, co-laborers. They have stood with him to labor in the gospel. And their names are written in the book of life. But at the same time, they are not of the same mind. And I'm sure that Paul has said it and said it and said it and is not getting results. So now he's also urging this person to, I beseech you, urge them. Paul who was commanded and saying, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? When I come there, you will see. But these women, he's beseeching them. He's urging them. Because when it gets somewhere, the men get confused and they don't know how to get there. Because they have a dilemma. How can you be so serviceable? How can you be so helpful in the house of God? How can you be so selfless? And yet, you can't get along with Sintike. A, a trivial thing like, no, it can't be possible. Many churches and ministries, when they are starting, they start with us. If a pastor comes to town, he's coming to plant a church, he doesn't know anybody. Usually, 
the first pillars, the first people to come will be women. And they will encourage you. They will be there to sweep. They will be there to arrange the chairs. They will be there to encourage you. Pastor, it's going to be okay. Pastor, I was blessed. Most ministry is built on the backs of women. Women stand as pillars in most ministries, especially even in the beginning and as the ministries continue. But the same people who are abused as pillars by God become caterpillars who mow down the very thing that they have allowed God to use them for. And since the time of Eve, we have been good at destroying anything God creates. The painful thing is that we do not set out with that mind. That, oh, as I have seen the Garden of Eden, let me just destroy Adam's life so that all our lives will be destroyed. No, that is not our aim. Do you understand? But we are easily deceived. And we are easily carried away by our emotions. And we are easily carried away by our senses. And we are easily carried away. The Bible says that Adam was not deceived, but Eve was. The only consolation I have about those verses, you know, is that the Bible said through one man, sin entered the world. So it didn't enter through a woman. It entered through a man. Hallelujah, ladies. And so that is encouraging. It said through one man, sin entered. And through one man also, the world is redeemed. Amen. So sin entered because of Adam. Although we gave him the apple. He should have known his responsibility. So the very people who are used to create, the very pillars become caterpillars. And that is because Satan uses a lot of deceptive weapons that you and I do not see from the beginning that it's even a weapon. When Satan came to Eve, what she saw was a fruit. And the Bible says that she saw that it was good for food. You know, it's a verse I always refer to. But I want us to go back to it. Genesis chapter 2. That's what Genesis, please, is the beginning of the Bible. So try. Try hard to find it. The beginning, beginning, beginning. If you don't know anything, Genesis, Genesis did. You should know it. Genesis chapter 2. Let's read chapter 3 before we come to chapter 2. Now, when Satan came to Eve, there are certain things he told her. Chapter 3, verse 1. Are we there? Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Let's go to Genesis 2 verse 9. This is what Satan is asking Eve. But let's go and see what God told Eve. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow. That is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Amen. And then verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. God said, Every tree in the garden you may freely eat. And Satan said, has God said that you shouldn't eat any tree? And even when God was telling uh, Adam, he said, and God commanded. Even when he's doing something good for us, he commanded. God commanded that of every tree in the garden, you shall freely. We have the liberty. 
freely eat it. Then Satan comes to ask you that. Has he said that you shouldn't eat of any tree? Because that is what will get our attention that he's withholding something from me. He's keeping my liberty. Submission and so what? And therefore, we misinterpret God's law. And what is actually at work is Satan. So Satan says, God says you should not eat of every tree. Then Eve says, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the tree which is in the, the fruit of a tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not. But God said of every tree, He didn't say fruits. God said you can eat, but Eve said that they said that only the fruit trees that we must eat. But sometimes you don't eat the fruits like spinach and things. You eat the leaves. So God said you can eat anything freely. But Satan said, as God said, you shouldn't eat any. You see, He starts with a question because if He poses a statement, you intentionally, you immediately say, Ah, what is about? It's like, oh, I haven't said. I'm just asking you a question. You know, like Sylvia was saying, so are you going to Ghana? I have not said, don't go. But I said, hey, Sylvia, so are you going to Ghana? And that, but we don't the way we should. So the woman answers all that. Then the woman said, God has said that you shall not touch it, lest you die. Verse 4, Genesis 3, 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Let's go back to Genesis 2, verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then Satan comes in Genesis 3, 4. The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. God's word is not true. But instead of telling you point blank that God's word is not true, it does not work, he uses other things to tell you that God's word is not true. Many times when things happen in the body of Christ, you hear that some great man of God is divorcing his wife or his wife is divorcing him. Or some, some great man of God has gone to do this. All sorts of things. And then you begin to think to yourself, so is God really able to keep our homes? Is God really able to keep our families? Are the promises of God really true? When we hear about people's tragedies, you become even afraid. So will God really do what he said? All these are Satan's messages to us. But he cannot come overtly. He has to come in a subtle way. And he's asking you, has God said that he will give his angels charge over you, keep you and to deliver you from every evil? Has God said that whatever you commit to him, he's able to keep until that day? Has he really said it but do you think he backs his word? And you don't hear that from the pulpit. But you hear it from your own everyday experiences. And that erodes God's work in your life. You know, like Sylvia was saying, you look at somebody whose husband has come to Ghana. She's in America. And it's not easy for her. It's a message. So many things are messages to us. And that is why when we hear positive things in people's lives, we receive hope without the person coming to tell us anything. In the same way, when you see negative things, it ministers to you. Say, hey, is that my end? Is that how I'm going to be? Has God said, say, you will not surely die. It's not true, Eve. As for death, it's not going to happen to you. But God had said to Adam, in the day, the day or not the month, not the week, in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. And then Satan says, you will not surely die. But he doesn't start with that. He starts with, I say, you should not eat of any tree. Then Eve said that. He said, we should not even touch it or whatever. You are adding more. And you are, first of all, conversing with the wrong person and bringing more facts of things that God has not said. 
And Satan said, when you eat it, you will not surely die. Oh, when you do this, it's not the ministry. It's the church. It's a human being who is doing it. It's not God. It's not God's will. It's not the Holy Spirit which is leading you. It's a, so, I was speaking to a pastor's wife, and I said, one of your dilemmas will be that God uses human beings. So when God is using a human being, maybe the president of the Methodist church, uh, the bishop of Lighthouse, the general superintendent of Assemblies of God, to move you from one place to another, you won't see God. You will see the human being that, oh, this one is the human being who wants this and that. And even in your marriage, that's what you see. It's the man who wants his way. That's why he's doing that. You don't believe that there's a greater and supreme power at work. And that even when the thing is intended for evil, the fact that a greater and sovereign God is involved makes all the difference. And it's not just the bare fact. But we just see the bare fact. And we continue to be deceived up to today. Say, help me, Jesus. And God comes to visit them. Verse 9, uh, Genesis 3, 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Hmm. Then come to Genesis 2, 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Before Satan ministers to you, you have God's protection and God's covering. And you don't even have the mind that there's something wrong with you or there's something that you have to use self-help to fix. As soon as Satan takes over, the flesh and fleshly efforts also take over. And then things that did not matter to you begin to become issues in your life. So that when God is coming to visit you, you start to hide you start to be afraid. Emotions that you have never experienced begin to take a hold of you. Why? Because we have moved under the place of trust, under the place of total provision. We have moved to the place of opening up to Satan and therefore the place of self-help project. Amen. And we think that our future depends on us. You know, if I go to school and then I do this and that, then I'll meet the right man, and at 25, I'll be married, and from there, I'll do this and that and that. And then when I have my children, you know, as for me, I read nutritious books, nutrition, nutri nutrition books and things. So my children will be brought up in this way, and then this and that will happen. But if you live a little longer, you come to see that so many things like don't that. depend on you, and it's not your planning. And as I read Genesis, I said, my God, Adam and Eve, they had just total provisional. And I said, could it be that those are, that's the life you planned for us, but we have moved from under your protection. And God said to me, look at when I bring a human being into the world. Before the human being comes, I start to prepare the breast milk. Have you seen any milk that man has made that has the properties of breast milk? I take nine months to prepare for it. I'm not a haphazard God. Now when the baby comes, ah, it will fend for itself. It will, I don't do that. I prepare for nine months. That's why when you get pregnant, you don't give birth immediately. Because I'm very concerned about providing for my children. And when I provide, there's no infection. But when you go and make your own formula, then you come and say, I have to buy sterilizer. I have to buy tablets. I have to uh, boil water. I didn't wash the bottle well. I did it. Self-help will give you more work, more struggle. More sweat, but less result. That is God. 
contaminated results, all types of stress on your child. You say, I did this, and you even spend more. But God gives you breast milk so much so that it becomes too much, that the too muchness of it becomes a discomfort to you. God does not give us just bare things. He gives us more than we imagine, we think of, or we even ask him for. But can we trust him? And it's in our midst of, you see, uh, Eve was told that, you see, God thinks that when you eat it, you will become like God. But God had told her, if you eat it, you will surely die. And Satan said, oh, you shall not surely die. There's a trick in it. And so in the church, there's a lot of mistrust. When somebody tells us something, we add, there's a trick in it. There's something that's not clear in it. Oh, yeah, just Samami and Bishop, when they share their testimony, somebody said it's too fantastic. <laughs> How can Samami say they couldn't afford formula, they couldn't afford milk, so they used to use cocoa and groundnut paste? It's too fantastic. Bishop had shared it in church, and then they had closed. It was callable, and they went across the road for, um, to get trotter. And one of our pastors was standing there. And so when the people came to stand there, they said in gathered, eh, no, testimony a bishop na Do you think that they fed their children coco 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 every day? Those they are two boys. Hey, they can add some. Sister, mommy, and bishop, pa, they can't buy baby milk. Hey, I fed their testimony a drechi. But it's because you don't want to accept it. Because when you accept it, you may also have to walk that road, you know, and then you say no. A few days ago, my daughter said to me, Hey, mommy, I like your handbag. Can I have it? And I said, Do you know my age? <laughs> and she said, Yes, I know your age. I said, Do you know how long it has taken me to be able to have a bag like this? So, but it doesn't matter. I'm just your daughter. And I said, No. I said, You, you are JSS. Even BC, you don't have certificate for. <laughs> and yet, you want things to be at a certain level. Oh, but you are my mother. I said, I'm your mother, but. It's not a bag for children. Oh, mommy, what's a bag for children? It's nice. So what's a bag for children? You see, immaturity. I said, that, have you been to the university before? But I'll go, God willing. <laughs> I said, so go and get I said, I said to her that, you see that I have certain things at a certain stage of my life. Of course, you may not have to sweat like me, but you also can't expect those things at my age. That if I wear a certain type of jewelry or whatever, I should give you. Where were you? <laughs> Where were you when I lived in one room? Where were you when I couldn't buy milk? Oh, mom, you like these stories. I like these stories. So even though she's my daughter, I will not even give that bag to her because at that stage, I don't think that she should even have that bag. But she doesn't even see the difference. It's like, ah, we are all in the church. We are all moving. We are all in the house. We are all the same. And many of us are like that. We want the gold, but we don't want the glory. And that is why at the Kodesh, people kept uh, proposing to Bishop Saki. Because they feel that it's just a seat. It's a glorious seat. You just sit on it. Then they call you this. Then you sit in a nice car. Then you, you know, I, just, I was just talking to Reverend Isu's wife just this morning. And I was telling her, hey, people don't know the road that one has had to walk on. And she said, and look, I even what has happened to me. Sometimes I, I, st I used to stand in the midst of the trouble and say, what type of call is this? What type of unique call is this that stretches you, tries you so much, and yet you can't say, I'm on leave. You have to go, and you have to minister. And the husband had told me earlier that even in the midst of their crisis, somebody called at 12 p.m. the day they buried their daughter. 
I finished food. When I sleep, I can't sleep. I really need you and your wife to pray for me. And I said, No, he didn't even know the person. And I said, So what did you do? He said, I prayed for her. Because my problems don't matter. It's a call from above. And I have to answer. How many of us even hold the call sacred? I mean, the call is a tin of milk for you. The call is a little, uh, a few gallons of petrol. The call is a nice car. The call is your comfort. But not the call. But there's a call from heaven that has to be answered. On your life, on my life. On the lives of the pastors, on the lives of whoever is around us. And the mistake we make is we expect our husbands and our spouses to reward us. You are looking at the wrong place. And because you keep looking at the wrong place, you don't look. You see, David said that, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. But you, you have not lifted up your eyes. Your eyes are below. You are looking at the man in the bedroom, the man in his car, the man. In, you are looking down to man. But David said, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. Why? From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord. But many of us, mentally, emotionally, financially, our mind is that our help comes from the men or people that God puts in our lives. And that leads us astray into so many things. And then we end up as Euodia and Sintike. It is impossible to be in a church and not be offended. And because God has given some of us the grace to always be smiling and people feel that, you know, our lives are effortless. And it's very easy. I agree that I'm looking for my hanky. I agree that there are certain blessings in our lives. But it doesn't come easy. Neither does it come cheap. But I think that what has kept some of us on the road is seeing a bigger picture. I always say that when I see the Healing Jesus Crusades, I feel that it's worth all the loneliness. It's worth all the tears. It's worth all the times when I wish my husband would be with me and he's not with me. If the Bismarcks and the Abigails are being healed and thousands are being saved, when I look, I say, ah, it's better than my romance. My, that, that's a greater call. But how many of us see that? We don't see, like Eve, we don't see the bigger picture. We see just our small world, our little Satan conversation, our little apple, and what have you. But there's, there, there's something called the kingdom of God, which you are handling. And when you don't handle it well, curses come your way. It's the kingdom of God. It's the church, but it's the kingdom of God. And so you see that, ah, sometimes what you see in the church, you don't see in the world. The ugliness, the betrayal, the offense, the hypocrisy, you don't see it in the world. I've worked in the world before. Sometimes the things I see in the church, I get surprised. But you see, God calls human beings. But it does not change the fact that what we are dealing with is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is made out of men. The kingdom of God is, so Jesus comes and perfects us. We will never be perfect. Amen. 
But then, if you know what you are handling, like Uridia and Sintike, you won't say, I don't agree with Sintike. What she is doing, and then you start to create factions in the church. The people who support Uridia, there's people who support Sintike, the people who have after church, after meetings. What you are destroying is not just something, a friendship, but it is a, the kingdom of God. And women have to sit up and say, Satan, you have deceived us in so many ways. No more. That's what we have to rise up and say. But we don't see it. It's, it's just anything. Many times people have rubbed me the wrong way, even in full-time ministry. But I feel that if I go and shake myself, and then you, and you said that, and you know, being a lawyer, I'll be able to put my facts properly. <laughs> so when people are speaking, I realize without knowing that, I'm just sifting the facts and I'm thinking to myself, ah, why don't they crystallize what they are saying into five points? And under that, see that these are the five things that they should tackle. You know, this because in law, they say, they give you a story, say, what are the legal issues? So why can't they see the legal issues? You know, so sometimes, even when I'm having a discussion with my husband, I'll say that, okay, the issues are this. And he'll say, I don't want issues. <laughs> just tell me what you think I should do. And I say, hey, can God create two different people like this? <laughs> but he does. Amen. So then I can see, sometimes when I'm reasoning about that, I can see that I will take the facts and I'll give you evidence. You say, why do you behave like that? Oh, sister, mommy, I don't be. Third March, you did this. Fourth March, you wrote it. Because everything, you need evidence to back what you are saying. So I can produce all the evidence. And I can decide that you, because of your attitude and your somewhereness, cut off. Cut off. Some people can be your friend. Me, when I see I won't greet you, I won't mind you. I'll just mind my business. After all, Jesus is coming soon. <laughs> but the Bible says that in communion, the reason why some fall asleep or die and some are sick is because they don't descend the body. It didn't say they don't descend the head. The head is not the, the only part of the body. It didn't say, thank you. It didn't say they don't descend the neck. It said they don't descend the body. So even the toe needs to be descended as part of the body of Christ. So you can't just say, oh, it's just the toe. So let me just rub, rub on it anyhow, remove it anyhow, and then you are moving. That's what the provocation is there, big time. And if you have a yas and twas spirit, every week you will beat some people in the church. <laughs> every week you will lash them. Do you understand? But you are dealing with the kingdom of God. Not long ago, I was struggling with something. And then the Lord said to me, it's not this issue, but it's a test. I said, God, it's a very difficult test. If you will help me, I'll fight it. But I, I don't have strength. So help me. And then, as we went on and on and on, The Lord said to me, it is not just being offended or there's a greater something. I said, hey, like what? And God said, the church leadership, if you try to press some buttons, the church leadership can be split into two like Because you feel that it wasn't done this right way. It should have been done this way. It should have been done that way. 
the church leadership. And remember that that is the epicenter of all your branches. So if Satan wants anything, you know, strategy, you just hit that place and then you are okay. So I went to Bishop Saki and I said, you know, you have really offended me. You did this, that, 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 that. Oh, you can you get angry? I said, I can get angry. Oh, you can you be offended? I said, I can be offended. So when I went to, I was thinking, how do offended people behave? Because nobody is taking me seriously. <laughs> and I am genuinely offended. I even shared it with some friends. Then I went to Bishop Adi, I said, I need to have a meeting with the three of you. I am taking you out for lunch. And I am going to tell you what you have done that has offended me. It has, I have never had this experience before. It's so deep. We need to talk. Bishop Adi said, eh, lunch. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and then Bishop Saki said, oh. I'm not coming for any lunch. If you want lunch, come to my house. You know, they were just trivial. I said that it's not trivial. It's based on this, this, this. And I think that you really need to iron out it. And I also laughed and went away. But as the days wore on, I saw that no, this thing is affecting me in an adverse way. And that's when the Lord told me that this thing can just split. So I said, okay. So what does the Bible say? The Bible says. If somebody offends you, leave your gift at the altar. Go and tell the person. But the people that I'm even trying to tell what they have done, crowd, they are not even hearing. As for my husband, I won't even go and ask him because I know which side he will be on. So, anyway. A few days ago, Bishop Saki got a, I got a text from Bishop. Hey, are you there? These days I don't hear from you. What I said, hey, I'm minding my own business. <laughs> Then, he said, it's been a long time since we spoke or we're just even friends. I mean, usually it's normal because everybody's going about, but this one was a bit of... Then I said, yes, because you did one, two, three, four. It's true, he said. In text, it was in Takradi, I was in Akra. It's true, but um, let's move on. You see, men... <laughs> I want to talk to you about issues. He said, it's true, but let's move on. And then I remember that verse that says that the beginning of strife is like the letting out of water. Therefore, cease from strife before it becomes a dam and then a river and then a sea. So I said, Lord, I'll just let it go. So I sent him a text. I said, you are forgiven. Even if you have not forgiven, I would have forgiven myself or something. <laughs> but I can say of a confidence that I have genuinely been healed. It was a journey. And I kept asking God. You know, I, I, I like to look at scriptural positions. What God is saying. What would Jesus do in a situation? Not because I want to be hyper-spiritual, but because I'm not wise enough to know what is best for me. And I've always learned that God's way is the best. And so that texting back and forth brought a lot of healing. And I started to think about it and I said, so what I was feeling, what I was thinking was true. But nobody would concretize it. So he sent the text that actually it's true. But this I also reacted because this and that and that. Ah, I see. If you take your issues too far, it's not that you don't have a case. You forgive not because you don't have a case. But because the battle is the Lord's and not yours. That is why. And you forgive because you see a larger picture. And beloved, let me tell you something. Everything you preach about, you'll be tested on. 
You see, two years ago, we were in um, America having daughter. It was August. And Sunday morning, I felt that what the Lord wanted me to preach about was the weapon of stillness. You know, based on the fact that be still and know that I'm God. Don't do anything. There are certain battles that you don't do anything. You are just quiet. First, I was getting ready. Then maybe Pastor Sarah came, almost in tears. No, I got a text from Bishop. So we are, I knew they were in Nigeria. I said, we've been attacked by armed robbers in the church. So I just know that, wow, what are they going to Then the next second, another text, the policeman guarding us has been shot. I'm in shock. Then silence. So, Lady Pastor Sarah says, Sister Mommy, are you ready? Should we go? I said, Sarah, I'm ready. These are the texts I got. So I showed them to him. And her husband was also there. About 30 something of all, all our bishops, all our pastors, Pastor Ishmael, all of them were there. Joy, were you there? So, we sat in the car. And then Lady Pastor Sarah was crying. I said, Sarah, don't cry. Let's just speak in tongues, but we don't even know what topic, prayer topic, we will pray. So let's just speak in tongues. So we're speaking in tongues with and I said, but when we get to the church, you don't have to let the church panic. So you just have to say that, you know, they'll be interceding and they'll be in worship and all that. Then I can come on stage and lead the church in prayer for our leaders without saying that there's a huge issue. When we got there, she was supposed to go and get the choir still, and then get me on to Asha. But she got carried away. You know, we want to pray for our leaders. That God himself will be with them. That God himself will... Of course, she didn't give it away, but... And all the time, as we were driving to the church, I started to make calls. The Nigerians I knew, uh, national security, whoever I knew, you know. Lagos, Ikeja, that's why our church... Not Ikeja, don't mind. Ikeja, where our churches, please, you need to go there. I was calling different people. So, Pastor Sarah did that. And then I had to go on stage to preach that. When you are in the midst of trouble, just be still. Don't do anything. Don't react. Just leave God to fight your battles for you. If I tell you that it was an easy day, I'll be lying to you. But I had to preach anyway. Whether my husband has been shot, whether he's alive, whether he's dead. I still have to obey the heavenly mandate. And I cannot come and announce, okay, you know, they've been shot and things, so this last daughter day, we are not having it. Uh-huh. Let's just uh, intercede till the end and cry and then and, and see what God can do. No. So I went and then I went up and I said, you know, the weapon of stillness, it's a weapon. Sometimes God says, don't do anything. Just be there. Be still. And the verse is that uh, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Though the mountains be removed and be cast into the sea, a mountain to move, and because we will still be, we will just trust in our God. And then at the end of that sermon, I got a text. We are okay. The people were just shooting, and then they left. At a stage, so I said, My husband, a text. So, as you have had this experience and you are preaching in another church this evening, will you go? Then he texts back, Certainly. <laughs> so, as he texts, Certainly, you are going for PFI and all that, but your heart is not. 
because and then he tells me, oh, there have been headlines in the newspapers. They have shot so many people, 14 people, and all that. But the church is expecting me. Finish the bank off, and I have to go. I have to obey the heavenly mandate. Some of us, if we follow our emotions, we will get on the phone and say, I don't think it's wise. What type of nonsense is this? You are going to preach where? You are not going anywhere. You are not whatever. What happens to your children when you are not here? What church? Where would these church people be? La, 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 la. Nya, nya, nya. Honestly, after the meeting, after the service, I was really okay and at peace. And I said, God, give them wisdom as to how to maneuver and to come home safely. And come home safely, they did. What am I saying? I'm saying that if you let your feminineness, your emotions, your things move you, you will destroy so many things. You will destroy so many lives. That people who should come to Lighthouse and be born again, because of you leaving, they have decided there is not a good church, they will not come anymore. That people who should have come as a canopy under this ministry, because of you said the pastor did this, and he did this, and me, I don't like, it's not because it's not true, but because what you are handling is greater than the kingdom of God. Sister, hold on a bit. Don't just manifest. Amen. Amen. Let's look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 7. Are we there? Matthew 18, verse 7. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come. But woe to that man by whom the offenses come. Offenses must come. Expect them. It is part of life. If you don't expect offenses, then you are living in a make-believe world. I think King James says it is but impossible that that offenses must come. And I learned in drafting law that when you say must, it means it's mandatory to happen. When you say may, it means it may. But when it says offenses must come, it's a must. So ladies, let's prepare our hearts for what will we do when we are offended. Not that will we be offended. You will be offended big time. It is but impossible but that offenses must come. But woe to them by whom? By whom? Through whom? Who are the people that will be used to bring that offense? Woe to them, the Bible says. But that is for God to deal with them, not us. Do you understand? But we always want to sort out because, look, people can be very annoying. And you want to sort them out fully, 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 fully. But it's just like making infant formula for yourself. God knows how to talk to his people. God knows how to talk to his servants. God knows how to get their attention. God knows how to change people. But you cannot. I urge you, I beseech you, would you insensitive that they be of the same As for serving the male pastors, you are very good. Ministering in song. Oh, when you minister, the heavens come down. Being a gospel fellow worker in the gospel, you are amazing. You have never been written in the book of life. That is without, uh, without question. You need no other argument. You need no other plea. Your name is there. But as to bringing peace in a strife-free church, or a strife-free ministry, or a strife-free home, that one, you say, count me out, lady pastor. And that shows that no matter where we are in ranking ministry, we have this problem. How to get along with, the, with people? How to get along with the other sister? How to get along with changes? How to get along with things we are not comfortable with? Do you know the number of changes I've had to adjust to in my life? You see, you say, oh, but sister, man, you have always been in a crowd. Really? 
Tell me about it. I was telling some white people in America when we were just there that I used to be a pastor's wife. And that needed grace. But now I have to adjust to be an evangelist's wife, which I've never been before. I've never been an evangelist's wife. If my husband went to start a church three months, then he'll come back. You see. And even within that three months, I may go once, be or whatever. Geneva was like that. But evangelist is always on the road. Always traveling. Always going. And you can't also follow. Because we have children to look after. One American pastor looked at me and said, in the States, because of the nature of the work of our husbands, we homeschool our children. So why don't you homeschool your two children who are at home? So that you always follow him in Jesus' feet. I say, hey, they will see us as a hindrance. We are coming to sit in their sleeping car. I say, have you seen? Okay, bring the syllabus. Hey, quickly will we be stuck? Because... The church we went to, the pastor's wife has homeschooled every single one of their six children. Wow. And she said, I've done it for 26 years. It's now that I've come on board fully to be the mission director. Wow. I've schooled my children, and they are all grown. The last one is about 18. He's married and everything, and they are all in the mission. I said, you studies where I don't have the patience. I'll be saying, can't you see? Why are you giving this answer? Why? And I tell my child, I said, French is a very easy language. And then I said, Mommy, help us, but don't make that statement. Why should I not make that statement? Because it's not an easy. I said, it's very easy. Look, you need vocabulary and to know meanings of where. And then after that, you need conjugation. You just conjugate. It's nothing. Present, future, and future fresh. You're finished. <laughs> then my husband said, ah, but other people who study language, they say French is very difficult. I said, I want to see your contribution. <laughs> is just French. That's just a few minutes. Then, the whole class, every morning from 7 to 5, I'm teaching these people. By the time their father comes, you will even recognize them. They're not sending. It will not be easy. I have to adjust to the life of an evangelist. I, used to, I was married to a pastor who had only one church. Now I'm married to a pastor who has 1,100 and still counting. I might have passed over a few associates, Pastor Eddie and Bishop Saki. Now, it's a different story. Bishop's councils all over. Amen. All the different changes come with their own terrain. And you have to keep adjusting. Keep adjusting. And how many of you know that change is not easy, not pleasant? We're all used to the same things. And sometimes it's not even that you want to be somewhere, but you are just used to something. That's all. You understand? Like the lady pastor Joy, she, she's in Tamale. You are used to Tamale that when you get on the road, now you are going, you turn here. Now, Kumasi, you come, you don't know how you are doing. What are all these problems? And some people can't adjust, and they adjust it. I'm going back. Me, Tamale, I know. And God is not able to lead us further. I came to encourage you women. We are the pillars. We are the makers of peace. If we decide that there will be peace in the church, there will be peace in the church. If we decide that the kingdom of God will march forward, it will march forward. But if we decide that it is not, ah, we don't need AK-47 or bazookas. But the wealth alone. Sylvia, are you leaving North Carolina? Are you going to Ghana? Have you thought about it? 
Are you ready? It will be very difficult. And your children's future. You see, your children's education. Oh, but why are you going to Ghana that they don't even know the education system, whether they are doing four years or three years? You are bringing your children into such a mess. We have to pray for grace to see the higher calling. Because as you grow up, so God will bless you, but you realize that it's not what you have that gives you meaning. It's what is within you that gives you meaning. When you are at a certain stage, you never believe that things cannot satisfy you. But you will get to a place where you will know that things cannot satisfy you. And then at that stage, like Dr. Fred Price said when he came back, nowadays when he prays, he doesn't ask God for anything. Some of us were shocked. He said he doesn't have any need. I have a great family life. My children are in the ministry with me. My wife is okay. I'm blessed beyond anything. So I don't ask God for anything personally. I just pray. And people were wondering that, hey, can I ever have a life? I don't have anything to ask God for. But it's a place to come to. And I pray that we'll renew our hearts. Some of us are too stubborn. You know, sometimes when I lay hands on people, the Lord says to me that, not that the person is even um, not open to the spirit, but I can feel that the person is rigid to the things of God. Not the laying on of hands, but the person's life. I see walls in people's lives, and I see that they are very rigid. So sometimes I say, the Lord is saying, let go. The Lord is saying, release, because I can see that they are very hard. They will never change. They never want to change. They never want to pay a price. But if you don't bend, you break. And life will teach you that. So that you will just insist. Don't say, she's insist. We are all capable because we are all fellows in the gospel. We are laboring. We are all capable of turning into a Yodi or a Sisike. It depends on when the time of your visitation will be. But I pray that in the time that Satan visits us. Because even Jesus, he left him for a season. How much more you? But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Let's learn to be spiritual. Let's ask that he will, you know, pause at the eye of your understanding being open. Because there's a certain understanding you must have of the things of God which will help you to operate in a certain way. If you don't have that understanding. Because if sometimes I speak to Christians and I say, oh, um, this happened and then I decided that, hey, even Mrs. Saki used to say, the late Mrs. Saki, she used to say that, Mommy, you really have a gift too. After this girl did this, look how you are smiling. That's I forgot to know. What did she do? Ah, last time when she did it. Anyway, when do you have a chance? Once upon a time, I came to Kumasi. You people were very somewhere at the call by side. Which I don't know if you remember. Maybe. She here. No. You are all Mavis. Really? Then you know who you are. <laughs> and then, yesterday I was asking Lady Pastor BM, I said, I remember I came to Kumasi, we were called by side with and then there were some way, and then I really faced them and all that. But what exactly did they do? I can't remember. And then Lady Pastor BM said, ah, oh, when Mavis came, and then she came, I said, oh, yeah, Mavis. Well, she had this meeting. Lady Pastor BM said, I didn't see it. But the fact of what happened... What made me face them? I don't remember. It's not, um, it's not conscious. It's not intentional. I just don't remember. 
So even when Bishop Saki was saying, you, can you be angry? I said, hey, Lord, I have to change you. Because the way people take me for granted, I have to show them that I can also be angry. <laughs> Do you understand? But God gives you grace as for everything he calls you for. He gives you a certain grace so that you can cope. He gives you a certain grace so that you can overcome. So I pray for you. In the midst of your hang-ups and your temptation, because of you, it will not be said that because of you, Lighthouse Chapel Kumasi is divided into ten. Because of you, Lighthouse Chapel has come down. Because of you, it's no more a tree where birds of the air come and receive shade and receive rest. But because of you, the kingdom of God is marching forward. Yeah. It's time to bury the hatchet. It's time to make peace. And it's time not to allow strife to be in our midst. And it's time to allow God Almighty to fight your battles for you. And it shall be well. Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 243 187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.